on this episode of Fantasy NFL Today, we have one team left to cover in the NFC North, and I have another special guest coming on to help me break down the Bears. We talk about the exciting prospect of rookie quarterback Justin Fields and how his potential can escalate every player's fantasy value around him. I also give you two of my favorite players in this year's draft. You won't want to miss it, and it all starts now. Welcome to Fantasy NFL Today, presented by HoopBall. Today is Tuesday, August 9th. I am your host, Anthony Germain, and you can find me on Twitter at the Talking Sunday handle. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-G, Talking Sunday, all one word. And we have one team left to break down in the NFC North. If you missed any of this week's episodes where we broke down the Lions, Minnesota Vikings, or the Green Bay Packers, be sure to go back and check those out. Lots of great information involving who you should be targeting in this year's 2021 fantasy drafts. But I'm excited to get into this very team we're about to talk about today, a team that I think has a lot of potential to kick it into that next gear and could surprise a lot of people by the end of the season. And of course, that team that I'm talking about is the Chicago Bears. I couldn't possibly break down this team without my next guest, who's an Illinois native, He's a former colleague of mine from the NFL Network, where he is a producer who's always pumping out awesome original content for everyone to enjoy. You can follow him on Twitter at MWZikus, that's Z-I-C-K-U-S, all one word. Matt, I'm sure you're drowning in football material as the season is quickly producing or approaching, and I hate to pile on here because you have to be quote-unquote footballed out a bit, but Matt Zikus, welcome to the show. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you. That's uh, such a lovely introduction. And I wouldn't say I'm footballed out yet, although the preseason gets very old very fast. So uh, check in in another week or so. After just the Hall of Fame game, uh, heading into the first week of preseason games, second week of preseason, totally great. You get later in the preseason. And this year, there is less preseason. We have an extra regular season game. We have less preseason. We'll see how it goes. Uh, So far, so good. Yeah, which is good. And you know what? I actually didn't even watch the Hall of Fame game. Like, I just have zero interest in preseason, um, mainly because in the past, the starters, especially in the Hall of Fame game, play like one drive, if that. You know, but you could find all the the starting highlights on Twitter and whatever. Like, I I was curious to see how Najee did um, in that game, but... You know, I saw I saw all his carries in one real fast clip on Twitter. So that's all I really needed. I, I don't need to see all the backups play. I, I think probably the most interesting thing to come out of the Hall of Fame game, my personal opinion, in the last uh, several years was when the field, I think, was melted and they couldn't play. And then they just oh, canceled yeah. the game. Uh, that was <laughs> yeah. a bit, so. No, it was uh, in Canada, wasn't it? Uh, I think it was the there's and, like there, the paint on the field had like melted the the turf or something i forget what happened exactly yeah or or maybe i'm thinking of a different one that was in there was a game in mexico that was also canceled because a shakira concert tore up the field the week before (laughs) Uh, you gotta love that somehow in the scheduling they got mixed up there put the shakira concert the week before the football game when you need the field uh so different field uh issues but both resulted in the game not being played yeah, that's that that stuff always amazes amazes me since it's like the NFL. You think they'd have all their shit together, but here we are with you know random cancels. Also, not to be confused with the uh, pyrotechnics lighting the field on fire. I think that was in Tennessee, maybe a season or two ago. Right. Uh, yep. So I now remember. no more no more pyrotechnics uh, <laughs> uh, on the intros because we don't want to light the field on fire. Right. All right. Well, before we get into it, what is let's let's tell the audience a little bit, maybe something you're working on most recently in this original content field. Like what should people look forward to that may be something that you're producing or working on right now? You know, a big thing that uh, the group I work with has been working on a ton uh, the last year or two, but especially uh, heading into this new season is a lot of what we call them NFL explained. But it tells you digs in deeper than you're going to find anywhere else of all of these super broad topics surrounding the NFL from things like a year or two ago, we did how every team got its name. How does mm. the draft work? What does a GM do? Uh, how does the NFL put on the Super Bowl? 
you know, a countdown to kickoff, everything that happens uh, in the 24 hours leading up to a kickoff. Uh, right now I'm working on a, uh, a breakdown on the history of uniforms across the NFL. Oh, I'm, I am a big originals. Yeah, I'm a big uniform yeah. guy. My it's, friends think I'm so weird. Like when I notice that the Lions have a silver ma- uh, face mask now instead of a black one, they're like, "How do you even notice?" I don't know what it is about me. Like uniforms are my thing, so I gotta, I gotta check that out. There's, it's, it's gonna cover everything from the back to the 20s when they played with bamboo pads to the first logos on helmets uh, to uh, the players in the 80s using all sorts of tricks to get an advantage on players, like literally gluing their jersey to their pads. That's not allowed anymore. Uh, and then now to the modern stuff with like the new visors that just got approved uh, a couple seasons ago to the new helmet alternatives to new uh, what they numbers. make the uniforms out. The numbers have changed. So many different changes. Uh, and like you mentioned, it's like it's something across not just NFL, but all sports, uh, just uniform style. It means signifies so many different things to fans and what it means to be a fan. So just in all of the research and the lead up to all of this, it's 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 been mind boggling. Just the all encompassing world of, of uniforms. Yeah, that's 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 pretty incredible stuff right there. It's more of a behind the scenes of, of football. And that's that's really yeah. that really is some original content that, you know, I think a lot of people would be interested in because there is things that I'm thinking about, like, how do they come up with this schedule? And if you really dive into it, it's like we did a whole one this year. That was actually the probably the most recent big one is the deep, deep, deep dive into how they put the schedule together and all of the work that goes into that. And it's honestly, it's like, I don't know. I can't believe they pull it off the way they do because it's, it's mind boggling. Right. All right. Well, let's get into these bears. Let's Let's get into the Chicago bears of the North. Um, Let's start off with a little off season. Cause I like to, I like to go through with everybody like, cause sometimes with coaching changes means different schemes and whatnot. And that will affect our fantasy teams down the road. So not much has changed in Chicago. The coaching staff pretty much remains the same minus the retirement of defensive coordinator Chuck Pagano. And they promote it. I think his name is Sean De- Desay. Is that how you say that? I believe it's Des. I think so. I believe so. Desay. Okay. So he's going to fill the void of defensive coordinator. But we're not too concerned about the defense, although the Chicago Bears defense is one of the more stat ones. So if you're drafting a defense, um, they're always you know one of the better ones to, to grab. But mostly on this pod, we're concerned about the offense since most of our players are coming from that side of the ball. So with Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor still calling the shots, we can expect a lot of the same type of schemes and whatnot, which isn't necessarily a bad thing for fantasy since we'll already know what to expect, right? But one of the biggest things or biggest changes on the offensive side of the ball was when the team decided to cut ties with quarterback Mitchell Trubisky, which still has to sting a little for Bears fans. That whole process with the Mahomes and, you know, all that stuff. Um, But this team had other plans in mind and made a big splash when they traded up from number 20 all the way up to number 11 to grab Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields. They also signed quarterback Andy Dalton, who is wildly, in my opinion, wildly slated in there as the starter now. That's just crazy. So Zickus. Let's start here because I know you have to be pretty pumped about this, the Justin Fields uh, acquisition. I mean, you guys have had a pretty brutal run here trying to find that franchise quarterback, and it seems like they might have finally done it. I I think pretty brutal, calling it a pretty brutal run is being very kind uh, because (laughs) it's been nothing short of treacherous uh, and just it's got to be one of the most tortured positions in pro sports is Chicago Bears quarterback. And Without a doubt, this is probably not not probably, but it is the most hope uh, that I've seen a fan base have in a newcomer at an important position. The only thing I hear fans, Bears fans gripe about, and I don't quite understand this, is that he went to Ohio State and apparently Ohio State quarterbacks can't be good in the NFL. Right. If that is what you're getting hung up on after what the Bears have gone through the last 50 years at quarterback, I don't know what to tell you uh, because there's just no reason not to be uh, just filled with excitement uh, at what could happen. Right. And I, I get the stink around the Ohio state quarterback, like Dwayne Haskins most recently and the JT Barrett's of the world and all that stuff. But I, I agree with you. Like, I really think this guy's different. You know, although I don't really watch that much college football, but you know, hearing through the grapevine, Oh, Justin Fields. I'm like, Oh, here we go. Another, another Ohio state quarterback. But this guy threw for over uh, 5,300 passing yards and 63 touchdowns while also being dangerous with his legs for running over 860 rushing yards and tacking off 15 more rushing touchdowns during the last two seasons with the Buckeyes. Like, that's pretty good, you know? 
And not only that, he was like deadly accurate from all levels of the field. He's he's got a fire, a passion in him that you don't really see from these other Ohio State quarterbacks. Like Dwayne Haskins looks like the most like he could care to he can give two shits like what he's doing. You know, like well, I don't, it's, I don't... It's, it's funny you mention that because one of the things I'm also not a huge college football guy. The bulk of my college football knowledge comes during draft time, especially as mm-hmm. I'm getting ready for draft. That's when I'm picking up a lot of my knowledge, a lot of the things I'm reading about other people's observations, what they've seen. And one of the things that stood out to me the most about Josh Fields was how serious he is. And just especially when you, you want to look back at another Ohio State quarterback, and you think about Dwayne Haskins and some of the things that he's kind of been through in his short NFL career. Josh Fields mm-hmm. is so locked in. And one of the things that sort of surprised me, I know this can be a sticking point sometimes with professional athletes, is how serious he is about his vegan diet. And to perform at that level, uh, his level of athleticism, but also to take be how serious it is about his nutrition and diet, you, can, you don't just do that. That takes a, an extreme amount of dedication and attention to detail. Especially at his it, age. Yeah, and it's not a, you know, and with the physical output he needs to have. So I know it's a growing trend among, amongst uh, professional athletes. A lot of them are kind of moving to more of a sort of more vegan plant-based diet. Mm-hmm. And uh, to do it the, the, the way Josh Fields does it, like you can't half-ass that. That takes some serious dedication. And it's not just his ability to throw and it's not just his ability to run. It's his ability to do the throwing while he's running, which was a problem for Mitchell Trubisky. Could scramble for days. One of the better scramblers around. Right. Uh, in fact, I, I always think about something I never thought he got enough credit for. I think it was his rookie year, but it was against the Patriots. He runs like 60 yards on a 19-yard scramble, ends up at one point 25 yards behind his own line of scrimmage and goes to the opposite pylon in like a play that takes like 30 seconds. It's an insane scramble Right. Uh, that like really like maybe one or two other guys could ever pull off. But he just couldn't throw on the run at all the way Josh Fields should be able to do 60 yards downfield. So completely different dynamic night and day in terms of, you know, bringing in a, a first round quarterback. Right. And I, like I said, I think this guy is just different. I, and, you know, if he if he just turns into half of what he's meant to be or, or supposed to be then this team is going to be super dangerous. And that's why I led off the top of the show by saying I'm you know, very excited about this team and that people might be surprised because now all of a sudden, if Justin Fields becomes what he's supposed to be, now we're looking at a very potent offense to pair along with that already, you know, somewhat of a stellar defense. I don't think the defense is as strong as it has been in the past, but it's still, it's still a top defense in the NFL. But the crazy part about all this is I'm just baffled that they're even floating the idea out there that Andy Dalton's going to start. Like, he's a first-round – Justin Fields was a first-round quarterback, and nowadays they don't typically sit first-round quarterbacks. Like, you're going to see Trevor Lawrence start for the Jags. You're going to see Zach Wilson start for the Jets on day one. And I just think with Matt Nagy now on that hot seat, I just think it's crazy that he's not willing to go all in with Fields right off the bat. It's, it's – one of the, the – it's changed. The dynamic has changed probably over the last decade or so, but it still persists a lot where when you have this hot shot rookie, especially when it's a high draft pick and early first rounder and the coaches will just continually tiptoe around like, well, you know, we're going to take our time. And, you know, the bears literally tweeted Andy Dalton QB one, like, come on. For as much as we see teams embracing more of an analytics driven process for play calling, for schemes, for coaching, for every last detail. The numbers say that starting the young quarterback early is the right move. Right. That trying to delay it and, and waiting until halfway through the season, like similar to what they did with Mitchell Trubisky when they should have just thrown him out there earlier, it doesn't do them any good. Your best bet, as shown by the numbers, the analytics, it just tells you, like, don't play this game where you're just going to pretend that Andy Dalton's going to start for the first five games. And then when he's down 30 nothing at halftime in week six, you're just going to throw Justin Fields in there. Like, start in week one, get it out of the way, let him take his lumps, let him get his uh, experience. And from day one, like, don't play this game like we know we all know where this is going yeah and i get i get the the idea too of like oh we don't want to throw him in i don't even know who you guys play the first half of your schedule but maybe they don't want to throw him in right away against like maybe like a tough defense or something i mean but... they, they, they do start tough in week one they start on sunday night football at the rams it's going to be a crazy game the first yeah, game that's... in sofi stadium with fans it's it's on the, but the Justin fields He's used to these big games. Like and that's he's what's Ohio so, like, State. Like he was on the big stage against right. Clemson and you know all these all these other. And they always say like, well, you know, uh, this rookie, you know, and playing on, like under the bright lights. Like the biggest crowds Justin Fields ever played in front of are going to always be his college football games. He's never going to play in a bigger crowd in an NFL game unless it's Jerry World than he played at Ohio State. 
like so he's using it's not like the guy hasn't played in the biggest games in front of the biggest crowd i don't right. i just don't understand when they say these rookies can't handle the spotlight and, and my point i guess too was just matt Nagy, man it's like Dude, like you are probably on the hottest seat in the in the NFL, and it's just the fact that he's like playing it safe, or at least saying he's going to play it safe with Andy Dalton is just I don't know. It's just crazy to me. The only sort of safety or savior in this this situation compared to years past with the Bears is that for better or worse, and this is again just goes to show you how rough it's been for the Bears. Like Andy Dalton, as good of a fallback as they've had probably, and I don't know how long. Uh, so when you're thinking about like, well, if it's not going to be the young hotshot, who's it going to be? Like they've had many, many, many worse options and guys they've seriously tried it out there with a straight face than Andy Dalton. So in the fantasy world, his current Justin Fields' current ADP, he's sitting as a late 11th round pick. So he's going later in the drafts. Obviously with that ADP, no one is taking him to be their starter, but I think he's a great QB2 slash backup option with potential to finish the season as a QB1, kind of like what uh, Justin Herbert did last year with the Chargers. And I just think out of all these rookie quarterbacks that we're looking at this year, you know, Trey Lance or Justin Fields is probably your best option strictly from that fantasy perspective because of the dual threat. You know, with Trey Lance, it sounds like Jimmy G may start the season, but, you know, who longs, who knows how long that goes. But, again, I just don't think there's any way Andy Dalton holds on to that starting gig much further than week three, hopefully. So I, I do think uh, getting Justin Fields as your backup is probably a solid option. My only concern is it's tough. When, when there's a guy like Trevor Lawrence who you know is going to get playing time quick, it makes a lot more sense. It's tough when you don't know when it's going to happen. And I always feel like you are potentially wasting draft capital on a guy that you don't even know like when or if he's going to get an opportunity. Obviously, you don't know what these rookies are going to do, but it's nice when you at least know when they're going to get a shot to do it. And so when you have no idea, you're really banking on getting something when you really have, you might get nothing. So you have to be kept comfortable with that risk of this guy might not start till week 10. He might not start the whole season. I don't know. It's tough. Uh, However, it's weighing that risk reward. Josh Fields could be a top five quarterback in the NFL in two years. We don't know. So it's tough when you don't know when they're going to start because you're really banking on getting something out of them versus a guy like a Trevor Lawrence who might be terrible, but at least, you know, you're going to get right. some stats recorded. Right. Yeah. And that's a good point. I, I guess I didn't really consider that Matt Nagy may go, you know, if the bears get off to a hot start, if they get off to the three and O start or four and one, they might stick with Andy Dalton until, you know, the, the wheels come off. So that's a great point. Just, I would almost be surprised if Josh Fields isn't in there week one. It just seems like a no brainer, but we see yeah. this all the time. Just, you know, they, the coaches want their guy that they, you know, feel is going to give them a more stable uh, footing. Nobody's going right. to claim that Andy Dalton is, better potential than Josh Fields. Okay, well, let's move on to one of my favorite receivers in the league. This is one of two of my favorite players on this team coming into this fantasy year. All the man does is produce on a consistent basis year in and year out. And the guy I'm talking about is wide receiver number one, Allen Robinson. The insane part about him is we, I personally think we don't even really know how good he actually is yet. And like what it's, I mean by what I mean by that is like since he's entered the NFL, he's literally had some of the worst quarterbacks. To, like I even think in college he had really bad quarterbacks throwing him the ball. He did. We're talking about like his best quarterback. <laughs> I think in the NFL, it's either it was either Blake Bortles or Mitch Trubisky. Like I don't know which one was better. It's and in that and that's a conversation nobody wants to have. Uh, <laughs> right. Better Blake Bortles or Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, his quarterbacks in college were uh, Matt McGloin and Christian Hackenberg. Right. Uh, so exactly. Not, not, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And then uh, he had uh, Chad Henney, Chase Daniel, and Nick Foles. Yeah. So what I'm thinking is like with the potential to actually be paired with possibly the best quarterback he'll ever get in the NFL. You know, up to up to this date. I just well, think that, the sky's that, the limit, and like I'm excited about him like a lot more than I usually am now. And what's what is you know sort of sad for him is no matter who starts for the Bears, almost certainly will be the best quarterback Allen Robinson ever played with, has ever played with. Andy Dalton is probably better than a lot of those guys. You could make a case that Nick Foles last year. I don't know if the Bears version last year of Nick Foles means anything, but Andy Dalton probably the best quarterback Allen Robinson will will have ever played with. And that's just that's just crazy. And like you have to be a big Allen Robinson fan, right? Like I know he spent some time on the Jaguars, and then you know he came over to Chicago. But since his arrival, he's been great for you guys. Like I'll be honest, I was really skeptical when the Bears brought him in after his injury in 2017. He was coming off 26 or uh, 2015 and 2016. 
Uh, 150 targets back-to-back years in those those years, 2015, 1,400 yards. Has this ACL injury in the first week in 2017. And the Bears, who have been desperate, similar to quarterback, they have not had a lot of you know these star players at the skill positions. This was a big shot for them, a guy who was coming off an injury. It was a gamble for them. And I was skeptical, and it has paid off uh, as good as any signing, free agent signing in the last you know three, four years across the league in terms of the expectations and the performance. And the fact that he does it with, for lack of a better term, bozos throwing him the ball uh-huh. is astonishing. It's astonishing. <laughs> right. So his current ADP is pretty expensive for that. You know, um, So he's, he's sitting right now as a late third round pick. But to me, the best part about A-Rob is the targets. Like, I think you just hit on it a second ago when you were talking about the amount of targets he he got in Jacksonville before he came over to Chicago. But with this wide receiver core still being one, one of the bigger weaknesses on the team, like, I don't see his targets changing anytime soon. He was third in targets just behind Stefan Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins with 151, which was two more than Devontae Adams. Finished with 102 grabs for 1,250 yards and six touchdowns. And I mean, that's fantasy football right there. That's really what you're looking for. You're looking for that volume. You're looking for that opportunity. And again, with this wide receiver core, which we'll, you know, we'll touch on in a little bit once we're done with uh, A-Rob here, it's weak. And that's, you know, with fantasy, especially a lot of times when you look at the receivers and just the offense across the board, it's the same with running backs when you're thinking about competing for carries is those targets. So he gets a lot of targets, especially to compared to a lot of these, uh, a lot of the top receivers in the league. He really has no competition in that receiving core there's nobody looking at who's like oh well he's going to be splitting targets with so-and-so he's he's 1a 1b 1c you know he's going to get those targets and right probably gonna get the receptions too right and that was that was just going to lead me to my next point was that you know last year he finished as the wide receiver 12 and you know this year he's coming off the board as the wide receiver 11 so it makes sense from that perspective if you're just copying and pasting but i gotta be honest like i'm taking him over some of these guys that you just basically we're alluding to that are that are competing for targets somebody like dk metcalf and justin jefferson are going above Allen robinson and while they're great receivers you know i i'm still kind of out there with metcalf i'm not sure yet because the way he finished the season with the seahawks i was not too like thrilled with but you know they're competing with tyler lockett or adam thielen um you know terry mclaurin he's going ahead of robinson i like mclaurin but I don't know. It's just that quarterback situation's a little iffy in Washington. And maybe Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley had a nice season. I'm still not I don't know if I'm taking Calvin Ridley and, over Allen Robinson. And Cal, you know, Calvin Ridley will have the benefit of Julio Jones being gone. That should provide a spark. Mm-hmm. But speak like but with Julio Jones, you know, AJ Brown, a star last year, a bit of a breakout. Now he's got Julio Jones in town. Right. How much of a factor is that going to be? AJ Brown getting drafted three or four uh, receivers oh, ahead of Allen Robinson is is that going to be a factor for some of those guys? Allen Robinson is a wide receiver one that you just can be rest pretty sure that he's not competing with anybody. Right, like Allen Robinson falls into that tier. Like I'm not usually a tight end. I don't usually draft my tight ends like super early in my drafts, but. Allen Robinson kind of reminds me of like Darren Waller on the Raiders. Like he's the guy, you know what I mean? Like he's the guy that's going to get all the targets. Yeah. The Raiders are a run heavy team, but so are the bears. It's like, it's kind of a similar thing and it makes sense because Darren Waller's going in the third round as well. But I just love, I love, I love, I love Allen Robinson. I just drafted him in my keeper league last night. Actually, I got him at the end of the first round, but that's a keeper league. So a lot of the guys were already taken, but in this, for the purpose of this podcast, for the redraft leagues, I think the only wide receiver I would consider drafting over him right there in the third round would be Keenan Allen, but he's competing for targets too. So yeah, I mean that, and that's, that is an, the Chargers offense is one with a lot of miles to feed. They also can move it around a lot and feed those miles. That's the problem why the bears offense has been the bears offense. But again, it's, you know, you have to really expect, you know, Justin Herbert's going to continue progressing. Keenan Allen has to. Well, Keenan Allen still got a huge target share from Herbert last year, even with Mike Williams. And oh, yeah. yeah I, I think Eckler was in and out last year. But I, the reason I said be, Keenan yeah. Allen was because he's he's right up there with targets as well. He's up there with the targets, but he's the, he has to stay at that top, like top level year after year after year with so many more mouths to feed. And it's just right. it's not the same dynamic. He also is working with a much better offensive system, so that definitely compensates a little bit. So in but, a I mean, sense, it's, just, it's a lot. There's a lot. There's just so much competition there. So even in a sense, you know, to be honest, as a late third round pick, and even though that's early, he's he's kind of being undervalued here. 
I, I think it, it's he's been it, last year. It it seemed to be a little bit of a narrative that like oh everyone's sleeping on Allen Robinson and the the tide has changed a little bit. He's getting a lot more respect, but I think he still gets you know knocked down a, a notch a little bit because he's got that Bears stink. The Bears offense just doesn't make have stars. Right, and I just think with Justin Fields, I just think the I, I just think there's the the ceiling is already per, like pretty high for Robinson and with and with Justin Fields now in the picture, it's like. It can honestly go a lot higher. That's all I'm saying. And for me, I think I think Allen Robinson is one of my must-haves in round three if you miss yeah. out on guys like Keenan Allen or, or Darren Waller. You know, and because he has that late third round pick, even if you're drafting, you know, if you have the 10 through 12 slot at the end there, you can pr- you could probably easily attain him like he's an he's an easy target to get. And I, I think it's fair to say that for a guy who's already got a really high ceiling, he's one of the guy, few guys across the league who that ceiling is going higher. Right. With if the possibility of having like a guy like Justin Fields throwing him the ball. Right. So everybody that's listening, go out there and go grab yourself some A-Rod because the sky is limitless for this guy. But let's move on to another popular player within the fantasy community. And with the departure of Anthony Miller, Darnell Mooney has mooned onto the scene. Sending the Twitterverse into a craze. And I've seen, you know, I've seen the videos already on social media. The, the people that are obsessed with him right now, and I'm not saying he's a bad player. Um, he's going as an early 11th round pick, but, the, but the, the fantasy community on social media is crazy. Like, they get obsessed with somebody, and the, I don't know if they all talk to each other because they all start, every single one of them starts talking about the same person for, like, three days. So during this, you know, I've seen all the videos of Mooney wide open and just, you know, the ball sailing over his head. So I, I get he has the potential there. But here's the thing about him, in my opinion. Last year, when Tyreek Cohen went down, they used him pretty often in that screen game, and I don't see him really continuing to fill that role now that Cohen's back. So, you know, I think he'll, he might be a solid player. He's a nice burner for the Bears. But as far as fantasy goes, and my listeners know this, like, I'm not a boom or bust kind of guy, and to me... This kind of stinks a little bit of boomer bust. He's kind of he might be the guy that gets you know four catches one week for 160 yards and two touchdowns, and then the following week you know he gets you two points, and then the week after that he gets you four points, and then he's back down to two points before he has another like 26 point game. So I don't know where where do you stand with Mooney? Am I missing something here or? So Darnell Mooney was definitely a guy last year for Bears fans who caught a uh, fans by surprise a little bit. I think with his athleticism and his ability to make plays in traffic and with speed. And with him in particular, we were just talking about Justin Fields, maybe even more than Allen Robinson. Darnell Mooney is someone who would b- benefit greatly from Justin Fields in there. Fields being able to, on the run, launch it downfield while Mooney's launching down the sideline. It's a great uh, QB receiver fit. And so Darnell Mooney, you know, Robinson is already one of the better receivers in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He stands to benefit from having a better quarterback. Darnell Mooney, probably a much higher percentage gain in his output with a guy like Justin Fields in there, a great fit for his skill set is a great fit with what Justin Fields does well. Mm-hmm. Andy Dalton, I would be temper my expectations if Andy Dalton is is getting most of the throws in there, but if it's Justin Fields, Darnell Mooney definitely would would benefit there. Yeah, and Fields Fields gets me excited for sure, and I think with Mooney now starting, obviously we're gonna get, we're going to see his production go way up, like you know much more than what we saw last year. Um, it's just for me, it's just these these shorter speed guys, they just have a higher chance of busting. Like we see this all the time with these shorter guys, you know, uh, the John Rosses of the world and whatever. And I'm, I'm not really saying that's going to be him, but he was a fifth round pick out of Tulane. I just I don't know until I see it like I'm passing. Like, until I see him produce this year, if he does it this year and on a consistent basis, then you know what? Next year going into it, obviously he won't be an early 11th round pick. He'll be a lot higher. But until I see it just with the shorter receivers, I got to pass. And that's just where I, I stand on it. And he is getting drafted around some of the, the similar type players, those kind of speedsters, the burners, McCall Hardman, Henry Ruggs. I'd probably trust those guys a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Just probably a little uh, safer floor there. But, you know, Mooney, he really did show some flashes last year of just just quickness. And he's got that 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 step that makes people miss. Yeah, you're right. So it's 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 I, he almost, you know, I, I don't want to say he was under the radar last year, but he was allowed to kind of perform, uh, you know, without as much pressure as I think this year he's going to really be under the gun. Uh, so I would I would really hinge what I expect out of him on who's at under center. Yeah. And I, you know what? I love his name, though. 
Mooney. That's a great name. It is good. Yeah. That's a it's great good. name. It's good. Darnell Mooney. <laughs> so, but all right. So, so what about the... That's a name that sells jerseys. Exactly. Exactly. Or or make make your fantasy team something with that. Mooney or I don't know. Shoot for the moon or something stupid like that. Um, but what about the other receivers on this team? We have Demir Bird and Marquise Goodwin I'm seeing. I think Wims is still on the team. Birds comes from New England, started 14 games. I don't know how I feel feel about this guy. He started 14 games for the Patriots, which, by the way, Patriots probably had the worst receiving core out of everybody last year. So he really got an opportunity to show what he had. Um, he only got 47 catches for 604 and one touchdown. There's just really nothing there for me. And then Goodwin, I think he sat out last year for the 2020 season with for COVID-related reasons. But he was also axed by Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers prior to that. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm not thinking there's too much more out of this receiving core, or am I, am I missing it's, anybody? No, I mean, it's it's been a pain point for the Bears for almost as long as quarterback has been a problem. That They have not had a lot of depth or stability in the wide receiver core. So, when you get past, you know, Allen Robinson is a great number one, but we, as we just talked about with Darnell Mooney, a lot of question marks there. And you get past Darnell Mooney, and it's like, you know, right. Demir Bird and uh, Marquise Goodwin aren't going to get it done. Marquise Goodwin filling in the Ted Ginn role from a season ago. The Bears always have to have a guy later in his career who runs really fast. So, know, these receivers just all feel like the same to me. Like even – I know Mooney's probably more talented. Well, he is more talented than these guys. But I'm just saying like they all kind of feel similar to me outside of, you know, Wims, Bird, God, or Goodwin, and, you know, maybe a little Mooney. Do they just feel more of a similar type of receiver than, you know, your Allen Robinson? And they do also have Riley Ridley, uh, Calvin Ridley's little brother, who has had like no opportunity to, to really do anything. I don't know if there's well, a lot got of some pedigree in there. there. I mean, unfortunately, that's not always enough to get the job done. Yeah. Uh, well, the Eagles drafted uh, Clay Matthews' younger brother, Casey Matthews, one year, and I learned real quick that's not the case. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I I believe he's still on the, the expanded roster. Uh, Khalil Mack's brother is on the Bears. So oh, they got one Mack. They had to make sure they got both Macks. There you go. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into what this offense does best. And that's leaning heavily on multiple running backs and the tight ends. And first, I want to touch on the running backs because in my world, the running back position is probably the most important in fantasy football. You really want to solidify yourself with a nice workhorse back. And last year, that person was really, really, really good at that at that role was David Montgomery. Like I just touched on a little bit earlier, Tyreek Cohen went down with an injury, opening up that true number one workhorse role for David Montgomery. He's entering his third season at the age of only 24 years old. He finished as the RB4 in half-point PPR and RB6 in standard leagues. He received the fourth most carries, only behind Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, and Josh Jacobs for 247 carries, almost 1,100 rushing yards and eight touchdowns. Also grabbed 53 catches for 438 yards and two touchdowns through the air. So as a mid-late third round pick as the RB 17 coming off the boards. How are we feeling about Montgomery with, with Cohen kind of back in the, the mix here? You know, last year, David Montgomery, he, I think he was one of those players who every year there's always a few of those players emerge who uh, they're not no names and they're not nobodies, but they're not like a first rounder or a household name star, but there's always those guys that are on the bulk of fantasy winners. And David Montgomery was one of those guys last year. Wasn't, expected to carry a team but by the end of the year a lot of championship winners had david montgomery on their team mm -hmm. uh so he it really exceeded uh expectations you know like you mentioned top five running back but a much different situation last year much different quarterback situation and the rb stable was looked a lot different especially because like you said cohen was out uh and cohen does so many different things or at least he did before he got hurt that really affected what was going to happen with david montgomery a huge thing last year with montgomery there were receptions 54 receptions Right. Uh, which is a nice thing to, to lean on from your RB1. Right. And when you look at somebody like Montgomery, he doesn't look like a, a pass catching back. No. And, but that was primarily a product of Tariq Cohn was out. So right now, now the, the go-to sort of gadget uh, pass catching running back is gone. They leaned on him heavily and he performed, you know, magnificently um, right. this year. Like what, what happens a lot with those guys, like I mentioned, who kind of like kind of come out of nowhere and help you win your league. And then it's like, everybody who won had David Montgomery. It's hard for those guys to do that two years in a row. It's almost like, you know, everyone's going to be looking for that this year. And it's uh, with all of the changes with the running backs looking a lot different in Chicago this year with the quarterback situation, a lot different. I mean, I think it's safe to temper 
or maybe dial back your expectations just a little bit based on what we saw last year, like he should still be really good. He should still be a great running back. I would love to take him, you know, in the, the third or fourth round. It wouldn't bother me. But I'd be telling myself too, like, don't uh, over expect uh, per, uh, numbers from him just because he went on a tear towards the end of last season. Um, I love David Montgomery. I do. He's one of my targets this year. Um, but to your point, with Cohen being back, I do think natural regression in the in the reception department. He's going to come back down to earth. So he got the the fifty four catches last year. But I think I don't have the stats in front of me. But I think the year before, when Cohen was healthy, he only got like twenty four receptions or something like that. So you can probably look for his receptions to be cut in half. So, you know, with, with the receptions being cut in half, the, the reception yards will be cut in half, and then he might not even get a receiving touchdown. But as a, as the pure running back of that team, as the first option to go, I love David Montgomery. I think if you can get him as the RB2, or if, you're, or if you draft more like me, you might even be able to get him as your RB3 and put, throw him in as the flex. And I just think that's absolutely phenomenal value. Because for me, I, I, used to, I usually like to target two running backs early if I can. You know, it depends on what league you're in. Some leagues are running back heavy. Some some leagues take like you know Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey in the first round. But if but if I can get my my two stud running backs in rounds one and two, and I come back around in round three and Montgomery's there, it's going to be really hard for me to probably choose between Allen Robinson and David Montgomery. I mean, I would say if you are getting David Montgomery as your RB three, you're going to be set. I don't you're think set. You're, yeah. And the running back <laughs> position, a lot of people will argue that like they that don't like to draft running backs. It's because they get hurt. But if you stack your team with those workhorse guys and your third running back is Montgomery and say you have Najee Harris as your second back and he gets hurt. Well, guess what? You're still OK because you have Montgomery to go in to your RB2 and then you can, you know, bring somebody up as a receiver or tight end or whatever in your flex and you're set. And what I think is especially it's the flip side of the reception thing. His receptions might go down uh, if Cohen is back and healthy. And I think it's to be determined how much uh, he's going to get into the game uh, after only, I think he only played three games last year. Uh, We'll see how healthy Cohen is getting into that first week. But with some of these other uh, running back committees, Montgomery is not competing for carries with Cohen the same way other teams RB1 might be competing with the rest of their stable for carries. Good point. Montgomery is much more of a running back. He's the guy he's going to get those carries uh, when, you know, Cohen is not going to. Right. Like Cohen's a more specialty type guy for the receptions. Um, but he now, now let's touch on Cohen a little bit here. So he did finish as the RB 37 in 2019 for people that have forgotten. Well, he OK, so he did get 64 carries for 213 yards, zero touchdowns through the you know through the running department. But he did catch 79 balls for 456 yards and three touchdowns. So if you play in a heavy, you know, full point PPR league. You know, that's going to increase his value, obviously. But, you know, I just honestly, I play in half point PPR and standard leagues, and I just find somebody like Cohen to be a pest. Like, I'm just never interested in really owning him. And then, like we were saying with David Montgomery, he's just a pest. Like, Cohen is just a pest. He's taking points and carries away from him. I mean, I don't know. I just, it, I, I just avoid this guy. No, I know what you're saying. I, I agree. It's, it's tough because when he's good, he's great. But then he will disappear, and you can't really rely on that. It's really tough. I have a hard time putting guys like that in my lineup. Well, he's the because... boomer bust of the wide receiver, pretty much. Yeah. Of, of, I mean, of the running back, because yeah. you don't really know. Like, yeah, he's going to have a game or two where he gets two touchdowns and all yeah. these yards, but you can't predict it. And it's and a lot of times it comes down to how the game is playing out, because when he has these big performances, it's usually on you know the reverses, the screens some of the gadget plays like some of the games just might not call for that. And it's just like by design, he's not going to get a lot of touches, not because he's not any good. It's just, he's, he's a little, you know, one dimensional in terms of like when he gets deployed at scale, mm-hmm. it's not, you know, as reliable as like a David Montgomery. And then some other running backs mixed into this field, which I kind of think this, this running back position is a little log jammed. Um, we got Damian Williams, who's been a solid player. Um, you know, he's kind of like the Ryan Fitzpatrick of the running backs. He's kind of just kind of going from team to team at this point, but he still like produces, you know, on a pretty consistent basis when he gets his shot. Um, so I think if anybody's going to steal carries from David Montgomery, it's going to be Damian Williams. But it, I don't think it's going to be enough to, you know, where it's it's going to be enough where we're where we're going to be drafting Damian Williams. Um, and then we have Khalil Herbert, who was drafted in the sixth round out of Virginia Tech. 
Um, I was kind of surprised he went that late. I was pretty high on Khalil Herbert just from all the the research I did prior to the draft. He is a little older after playing four. He played four seasons with the Kansas Jayhawks, and then he transferred <laughs> for a fifth season with, with Virginia Tech. Before that's when he had his good year. I think he had a hundred and yeah, hundred fifty five, uh, hundred fifty five touches for just under twelve hundred yards and nine touchdowns. So. You know, I think if the team didn't sign Damian Williams, I think Khalil Herbert might have some value here and he might vulture some touches from Montgomery a little bit more. But, you know, I don't I just don't see any I don't see Damian Williams or Khalil Herbert being fantasy relevant. I mean, I'm a, I'm a little intrigued by Damian Williams. He did sit out last year, so probably some fresher legs, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, his, his uh, last season he played 2019. He was, you know, a pretty solid contributor on that Chiefs Super Bowl winning team including in the Super Bowl, had some huge plays. Had 700-plus uh, yards from scrimmage that season. He's not a workhorse by any stretch, but he seems a little forgotten. I don't expect him to be very fantasy-relevant, but you know, I in terms of just being a, a fan and the Bears this season, I, I sort of expect him to have some impact plays. That's kind of his thing. And he's not a major contributor, but like he just will stand, you know, he'll have his, he has his moments. So he's going undrafted in most leagues, and rightfully so, but do you think that he, he does have potential to maybe be a flex player? Like, do you think he'll not get really? No. no, I mean, I I think he's uh, someone you are keeping a very close eye on f- with injuries. <clears throat> if you know one of these backups or third string running backs gets a lot of play, he's probably one of you know the better options outside of some of these surprise guys that always come through. But of the known names, you know, if David David Montgomery is hurt or Terry Cohn is hurt, I'm rushing to pick up Damian Williams. Okay, so then Damian Williams is somebody we should probably star add to our watch list, keep an eye on. If something, not drafting him, no. Not right. Not, yeah, we're staying far away from him on draft night, but if something were to happen to Montgomery, which he's – has Montgomery dealt with an injury before? Did yeah, he, he's had a couple – he's had a, a not uh, big stretches, but he's had a, a couple uh, – he's been beat up a little bit. And Cohen, Cohen's been hurt, obviously. Last year he was yeah. out the whole time. So even if something were to happen to Cohen, we could probably see a, a pretty high uptick in Damian Williams' uh, production. All right. Well, let's 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 wrap it up here with the last position. That's the tight end position. Um, someone I was I was pretty down on last year coming out of Notre Dame in the second round of the 2020 draft. But he's starting to grow on me. And the guy I'm talking about is the tight end Cole Komet. His current ADP sits as an early 14th round pick. So you can basically get this guy for nothing. Last year, he was virtually non-existent early on in the year. But after the bye week, they started to feature him more and more in the offense. Um, as far as production, if you just look at the stat line, it doesn't look that great. 28 catches for 443 and two touchdowns. But like Robinson, it's the targets here that kind of piqued my interest. I went back and looked at the game log when they started featuring him more into the offense, and he was targeted at least six or more times in four of the last six games. That's a pretty high amount of t- uh, targets for the for the tight end position. So yeah, so he's coming off the boards as an early 14th round pick. I think he could possibly be a good stash. We're not drafted him to be our tight end ones, uh, obviously, but I think we can get him as a tight end two, stash him, see what happens with Justin Fields because, you know, typically a lot of rookie quarterbacks, they tend to check the ball down a lot. So Cole Komet could become a safety bl- somewhat of a safety blanket for Justin Fields. So maybe we scoop him up as our RB2 at the end of our drafts for pennies on the dollar. And he could possibly bloom into a tight end one. You know, you never know. How are you feeling about Komet? And is Jimmy Graham still a threat here? So, you know, when the Bears brought Jimmy Graham in to begin with, the sense I got was, you know, Bears fans, we did not expect anything. Nobody's really excited about it. It was interesting. That I was like, oh, Jimmy Graham. It's like, I remember when he was an absolute stud. Right. Um, <clears throat> so it, it was intriguing when he came in, but nobody really expected anything. He somehow snagged eight touchdowns last year. Um, yeah, he started off the season hot. I remember that. I don't think anybody is expecting anything remotely close to that. And it, like you mentioned, if you look at the game logs towards the last half of last season, mm-hmm. Cole Komet, one target in his first five games, 28 of his 44 in his last five games. <clears throat> so yeah. they definitely started giving him more opportunities. I think it's quite clear that Cole Komet is on his way up. Jimmy Graham is on his way down. I would still be concerned about Jimmy Graham stealing goal line targets. That's like still his thing. That's what he did yeah. last year with the Bears. How he got those age. Like he can just, that's what he does. It's what Jimmy Graham does. He stands Boxes somewhere out. in the end zone and just catches the ball. <clears throat> right. Now, tight end is my least favorite position to draft in fantasy football because the drop off in talent once you get past the top guys is usually so drastic that you have to overpay typically to get one of the, the clear number ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be okay, especially over the last couple of years. 
it's gotten much better. The tight ends perform and contribute on fantasy rosters in a way that they didn't 10 years ago, five years ago, even. So it's becoming less painful to draft a tight end high than it might've been before. That said, because I hate spending high picks on tight ends, a guy like Cole Komet appeals to me immensely because it's a guy I can feel confident in having a really high upside, even though it's a total mystery, but I won't have to burn a pick on. And I can look at my roster when I'm filling out that week one and be like, this is, you know, if I had to take a shot somewhere, this is the shot I took and I'm okay with that because I think the upside is really high because of some of the things you mentioned, the way they worked him into the games more in the end of last season, the potential mm-hmm. of having a high profile rookie quarterback and how those rookie quarterbacks tend to lean on guys like a Cole Komet, the tight end. It's definitely a guy who, if you're like me and you hate spending too much draft capital on tight ends, great late round flyer. Uh, if you're just willing to take that shot and just, you know, I would rather take a flyer on a guy like Cole Komet than some mid mid round tight end. And, you know, right. still like an Evan like Ingram on the Giants. Maybe. Yeah. Like an Evan Ingram on the Giants, like these, and he's being, even though he's like a ninth or eighth round pick, I still think he's being overdrafted. Yeah, I just can't do that. Right. I I agree 1,000% with you. I'm the same exact way. After doing my Raiders episode with Timon, I've come around on a little bit on this tight end position. The only one I'm willing to take early, and we discussed him a little bit earlier, is is, uh, Darren Waller on the Raiders because he is the guy. Like he's the target and he, and he's the cheapest of the big three and he's going, you know, in the mid early to mid third round. But again, I kind of like Robinson as an idea there, but yeah, I call, I call the tight end position, the barren wasteland. You're absolutely right. It's just, I mean, the difference between the top three and the, the bottom is huge. And then everybody else in the middle is it's very minimal. So I agree with you that Cole Komet is an absolute steal. Again, you're going to probably have two tight ends. You're not going to, you're not going to just, I would assume you're not just going to roll with Cole Komet solo and just kind of hope it works out. Um, so you're, you're still probably getting him as your tight end too. And I'm all in. I, 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 I just love that idea of the check down. And I, I kind of like what I saw from him last year. He's, I, I underestimated him coming out of college. I thought he was kind of sloppy to be honest with you, but you know, he looked good to me when I saw him play on Sundays. And it's just tight end more than any other position because the drop off from the top players, even just to the, the middle tier tight ends, that drop off is so vast that you're really sacrificing a lot if you take a guy in the first, not well, maybe, maybe take Travis Kelsey in the first. I've seen it. No. I'm out. But if you're taking a tight end in the early rounds, you're sacrificing a lot of more reliable output from other skill positions. Right. And because there's that big drop off across those other skill positions, you can pretty much be sure every single week you're going to have speed going up against stars on your opposing team every week. That doesn't happen at the tight end position as much. You have probably a better chance of return on waiting for Mm -hmm. a pick spend that early draft capital on a much more reliable, even if they're deeper positions. I know that's why people like to draft tight ends high because they feel, they feel like it separates them because there's so few great ones right. that if you can get one, it's going to put you in a much better position. But I feel like you sacrifice skill at the other positions when there's so much more to choose from. You're really locking yourself in uh, and you really have to hope like if something does happen or go south, you're really in a bind because there's not that depth there to fill someone into that position. The way you can lose a star at wide receiver in week one and stat find somebody and work other players in and find a rotation that works. It's really hard to do a tight end. You're really risking a lot. If something happens to that high, high tight end pick. I could not agree more. Like that is exactly what I say on this, on this podcast every single day. And I also feel when you draft a tight end that early, say if you take Travis Kelsey in round one, like you're, like you said, you're losing value now in your running back positions. And now you're chasing your whole draft and, and worse, you're, you're possibly reaching now to catch up. And somebody else that did get an absolute stud in the first round is also going to have a terrible tight end. Just like you, if you don't take, like if you take a tight end and, and somebody gets hurt, like it's not like every team's going to have a great tight end. Only like three teams are going to have a great tight end just because every team is going to have a great wide receiver, but you're really limiting yourself. If you don't, you know, you really are banking on a lot. It's very risky. It can be high risk, high reward. Like it will, it's definitely paid off for people to take Travis Kelsey in the first round, assuming they drafted other rounds where, but it's like, if something happens, you're in deep trouble. Exactly. And like you said, it's harder to replace that with hundred percent. You go from Travis Kelsey to, to plug it in whoever the Jacksonville Jaguars tight end is like, that's now your option. Oh, and by the way, you didn't get the stud wide receiver in the first round, you know? And yeah. And I think you mentioned with the running backs, it's if you're not going to get a running back or a receiver, there's just not enough to go around. Like once you get through those first couple rounds, like especially if if you where you're taking them and like if it's in a snake, by the time that comes back to you, if you're stuck with just a tight end and there's 20 picks in already, that's trouble. Yeah. 
And an, a lot, another thing a lot of people don't realize is you taking that tight end in the first round, it's not always about who, who has like the best players on their team or you having the best players on your team. But when you take that tight end, now you're just strengthening somebody else's team that much more as well. They're getting the yeah. guys that are now falling down the board that shouldn't be that far down the board. And now their team is a super team. So thank you to all the tight end, early tight end drafters out there. And it's 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 the hardest position to stream and find even a one-off, a one-week replacement, finding someone to plug in. You know, if you have to do that three, four weeks in a row because you, the guy you drafted in the first round, maybe he's only, I mean, he's not out for the year, but he's going to miss four games. If anyone else on your, another position is light for you and you have to fill that too, it's so much harder to stream backups and stream players when you got to plug in a tight end each week there's yeah. so little depth that if if you're don't have you, you you drafted a tight end in the first round and then you got some nobody after the draft or you picked him in the last round and you got to replace that that first round pick like there's nobody you will have nobody at least if you have to find a receiver you can find something that in your head at least makes some sense and i i couldn't have said it any better myself and that about wraps up our show today unless if you had any other sleepers or anything else you wanted to talk about that we may might have missed no just uh let's hope when uh sunday night football starts on week one in los angeles it's uh not andy dalton trotting out hey i'm with you man i i'm i'm hoping we see justin fields take the field i want that i want the kid to succeed i i think he's going to and like i said i think this team if he becomes half of what he's supposed to be it's this is going to be a dangerous team what do you what do you what do you think how do you think the bears do this year do you have a record or any prediction you know it's uh <clears throat> we got excited after the uh matt Nagy's first year kind of made the big splash on the scene the bears you know did make the playoffs it didn't go well Not i don't think anyone doink. really cared or expected much um but you know i think it, it's we want to believe there's enough there for the team to do well however you know it's all it's justin fields is the only thing that really matters playoffs or no playoffs I mean, I'm leaning no right now. Okay, that's fair. I mean, at least you're an honest fan. I just, yeah, it's you just, might be no. right because the, the division's still tough. The Packers are, you know, Rodgers looks like he's back in for one full season, and, and as is, you know, Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones resigned, so they're probably going to be a force. The Vikings are probably going to be stronger than they were last year. So, yeah, you know, I don't I just don't know because we've seen what like a pa I'm not saying he's like Patrick Mahomes, but we've seen the difference in the Kansas City Chiefs from Alex Smith to a Patrick Mahomes where they've gone to this like super team. Like I'm just I I just if Justin Fields becomes that superstar, you never know. No, it's uh he's definitely one of the players like nobody's going to be surprised if he gets his shot and he goes off. That was not not surprise anybody, you know, he's one he's he could be a generational talent, he really could be. So, good luck to your bears and i want to again thank matt zickis for taking the time out of his busy schedule over at the nfl network to jump on the pod to break down these bears again you can follow him on twitter at mw zickis that's z-i-c-k-u-s all one word and go check out his original content over at nfl.com you won't regret it matt you, thank you for coming you might on. regret it <laughs> i've seen i've seen a lot of your stuff it's pretty good no you won't regret it you won't regret it thanks Andy. thanks for coming on man thanks for having me